0: Welcome back to Radio Channel 1471. I'm your... Wait, let me check, let me check. I'm actually not your host for today. For today's episode, episode number 27 here on the Radio Channel 1471, the podcast channel show, depending on where you're listening to this. Um, yeah, I'm not your host today. That honor actually goes to A.G. A.G. the yin, A.G. the Yin. Sorry for all the background noise. I'm moving a couple things here and there. So you might have noticed, one, I've kind of, there's kind of a gap between last episode and this episode. Well, I'll explain all that in the future episode, the next episode. I've actually been in a tad bit of a hiatus. I've been busy with quite a few things. Just a little summary of all the things that's happened between the last episode and this episode. I now have a driver's license. I have a computer that is coming in the mail, but was delayed a whole month, which was not very great. My birthday was back in April. I got a Chemex coffee maker pour over. Uh, I don't really know what you would describe it as other than, well, a Chemex. Um, what else happened? Oh, we might be moving to a different state pretty soon here. So I can't guarantee there's going to be a new episode anytime soon. We've already been packing a lot of stuff, selling a lot of stuff. It's kind of going quick, but at the same time not. What else happened? Oh yeah, school. School ended. It's summer break. So two-thirds of summer break is already almost gone though. Sorry for that. A lot of stuff's been going on. Other than that, I can't overly think of stuff on the top of my head. I mean, I guess I got a couple cassettes. I'll be talking about those in the future episodes. And that's really all I have to say other than I'll see you soon, maybe. Hope you enjoy this episode. Once again, it's hosted by A.G. the Yin. I'm going to let AG take it from here. Don't want to take up too much time since this is, of course, his episode. And thank you. Thank you, AG, for volunteering yourself to do this episode. It was actually very nice of you. Very good. You did pretty
1: good. Um, Yeah. Goodbye. Welcome back, Radio Channel 31. I'm your host, AG Yeen. You're the listener, and this is the podcast. This is podcast number 27. And I'd like to thank you for everybody who is tuning in. Today, I'll be substituting for Sterling's podcast. And I feel honored that he uh, entrusted me to uh, run the podcast for him while he is away. Um, I do believe that he is out with family on vacation. Uh, He never really specified where, but you know what? I hope he's having a great time. And I hope all of you are enjoying yourselves so far uh, tuning in to the podcast number 27. And today, um, I'd like to continue uh, Sterling's tradition of pairing a music track with a drink. And today, I'd like to pair a wonderful song by by indie ambient artist Washed Out and their song, It All Feels Right, with one of my favorite drinks, the Strawberry Asai. And I know some of you might recognize that drink from Starbucks. And I know some of you may have mixed feelings about Starbucks, but I will tell you that that is probably one of their best drinks from that restaurant, at least in my humble opinion, at least. So, uh, in that case, uh, today we're just going to be talking about um, multiple random different topics, and uh, nothing, nothing too extreme, of course, because this is a relaxed podcast, and I know that's the way Sterling would want it, and so... Uh, let's go ahead and talk about um, binaural recording which which is actually something I'm actually quite interested in uh, I wouldn't consider myself an expert in binaural audio however um, I do know the very basic, uh, attributes the, of which it entails and my normal recording is different from stereo recording and I see a lot of people on YouTube especially people who do ASMR sorts of videos that they claim that um, that there's an ASMR like quality to their videos however uh, a lot of the times they're using microphones like the blue yeti or using some other um, microphone and they do the the usual you know the tapping and the whispering and things of that sort. And um, that's f- fine and good and all, but uh, in my personal opinion, it's when they use binaural microphones. Uh, wh- it, uh, when they use binaural microphones, that I believe that's when it really elevates the ASMR to a different level. Because uh, as opposed to stereo audio, binaural audio actually emulates the sound field of the human ear. And so when uh, somebody plays a sound, um it sounds like it's actually coming uh, from around you and you have a sense of 360, you have like a sense of 360 degree space, simulated space of uh, the surroundings around you. And the key to having good binaural audio is that usually you either want to use microphones that are either fitted into a real, real human ears or you get a dummy head and you place the, uh, the ear, uh, place the microphones within the ear canal. And then um, the sound, um, the mold of the ears will direct the sound into a way that sounds realistic to human hearing. Um, I wouldn't know the exact, um, very, uh, you know, the very, the the big technicalities of of it, but I do know that that is generally uh, how it works and um, I did actually purchase a pair of binaural microphones myself it was the Sound Professionals MS-TFB-2 and unfortunately uh, one of the uh, microphones, I believe it was the left microphone actually shortened out and so I either have to purchase a new a new pair or send it back to the manufacturer so it can be repaired but I will say that um, all you had to do with those microphones is that you had it's basically like a pair of like um, it's basically like like wearing oversized hearing aids. You just put them in your ear, and then you attach them to a sound recorder. In my case, I have a um, I believe it's an Olympus LS10S sound recorder, also known as a PCM recorder, since uh, PCM uh, means uh, uh, dot wave files which is what it records to, which is, of course, lossless. And one of the keys to having good uh, good sound quality is to record to lossless formats like .wav or FLAC files or FLAC files. And so, um, in regards to the sound quality of those microphones, I actually wasn't very... Um, I was actually a little bit skeptical because I did uh, make sure to listen to... Uh, audio samples uh, from uh, sound professionals, and uh, most of the samples were from uh, a, a lower-tier model, which has um, which has a um, higher self noise. And when and self noise is the is the noise that is generated by the microphone itself. And sometimes, if the self noise is loud enough, you can hear it as like a as like a hissing sound, and it can become distracting if you want a clear. Uh, Recording and you want as much dynamic range and you want as as best of signal to noise ratio as you want. And signal to noise ratio is you want it to be um, the be you want the signal to noise ratio to be as high as possible because if you have too much noise in your recording, like too much hiss, or uh, it can also refer to uh, like background noise. Like say if you're trying to record um, somewhere out in nature and you're trying to record bird sounds or trying to record nature sounds and uh, there's planes um, getting into or, or like cars passing by that are disrupting it. That would be considered noise. And also, um, noise signal noise ratio can also be if um, you're not close enough to your subject. And so, the closer you are to to uh, closer you place your microphone to the subject, the better the signal to noise ratio sh- will be. And uh, the same is applied even to just regular microphones like this. Uh, like this condenser microphone that I'm using right here, the uh, Neat Worker B, which I find to be a fantastic, fantastic condenser microphone. Uh, I believe me, it, it only costed me $89, and I do know that's a little bit steep for some people. But there are condenser microphones that actually, um, that actually go upwards up to up into the 500s and, and when you talk about and sometimes like with the uh with the uh, newman microphones which are used in uh, studio recordings uh those can go upwards into the tens of thousands of dollars and some people have said have said this microphone allegedly sounds just as good as a newman or sounds as good as a as a tascam or, or an audio technica or or the shure sm7b which is a very podcast a very popular podcast microphone, which usually goes for, uh, 500 or $600. Um, and that is actually a dynamic microphone that the Shure SM7B, and it actually is probably one of the most demanding microphones because for condenser microphones, um, even though it's not a condenser microphone, uh, uh, so yeah, condenser m- microphones require 48 volts of phantom power. And, uh, the Shure SM7B, I'm pretty sure, is a dynamic microphone, uh, which has a different uh, capsule from uh, condenser microphones. In which uh, dynamic microphones are more directional, and they block out less of the room ambience from either in front or behind the microphone. And so that's why uh, dynamic microphones are used in concerts. So it doesn't, so the sound of the other instruments or anything, or the sound of the crowd doesn't leak into the uh, into the mic where the vocalist is singing in or where the instrument is playing. So you don't have uh, feedback loops and s- things of that sort. But, um, the get back on the track of the SM7B, it's one of the most demanding microphones because it requires you to put the gain up so high and you got to have a really good, you got to have a really, uh, high quality, um, I am trying to remember the the word for it. I I, I, I literally uh, have it right in front of me here. Uh, you got to have a really good audio interface in order to power, in order to uh, have the gain up for the SM7B. Just it just requires so much gain in order to get a good signal to noise ratio. And uh, a lot of people, when it comes to like their to their focusrite uh, audio interfaces, which are usually the most affordable audio interfaces, and you need an audio interface if you want to use uh, high-quality microphones um, for um, podcasting or music recording. Um, And uh, for me, I'm using the uh, Motu M2, which has been a wonderful, wonderful audio interface. Uh, I believe it has a sample rate of 192,000 kilohertz um it has two xlr ports which can also serve as i, bel- I forgot exactly the size of the, the microphone, but it's it's the i believe it's the quarter inch microphone input and it also has uh, speaker outputs and it has a headphone input which also acts as which also um has the computer uh sounds go through the audio interface and so i can actually listen to videos and listen to music through my computer through the where it goes out, out of the computer into the audio interface and then uh, brings it into the headphones. And and it also has a separate speaker volume knob and separate headphone knob. And so I don't have to continuously unplug different things in order to uh, use my headphones or my speakers. But, um, but in any case, um, I believe the Motu would be able to have enough gain to power the SM7B. Which, like I said, is one of the most popular uh, podcasting microphones. But uh, I think I went on a, went off on a very uh, uh, considerable tangent. So I'd like to go back and talk about binaural audio, which is the original topic. <laughs> and so, um, so I, I listened to sound samples of the of one of the other sound professionals' binaural microphones, which was, I believe, is the SP um, TFB uh, two i believe is the model number and uh and of course uh, when it comes to binaural audio you, you want to make sure you have a good signal to noise ratio and the, make sure you're close to your subjects but also one of the things that's important is just make sure that your microphone doesn't have uh has very low self noise and the, uh, the ms version of those binaural microphones ha- did have i when i first uh, used that microphone uh, i just plugged it into the uh, microphone input. And one of the most important parts about uh, about using um, in-ear uh, binaural microphones that you put in your own ears is that you got to make sure that you have a sound recorder or have something that's able to power the microphones because they do require a little bit of voltage in order to function. And the good part about a lot of portable sound recorders is that they actually do come in with uh, plug-in power. And sometimes uh, it's either turned on by default or you have to or you have to turn it on in the menu. I forgot exactly what, what was the case for my Olympus, but I believe I had to turn it on in the menu. And once I finally used those uh, binaural microphones, I was actually really surprised. I was blown away by the sound quality because they didn't look like very high quality microphones just, just by looking at them. It was just just plastic with little thin wires and, it just, and then it all terminated into this, you know, like a semi-high quality looking, like, uh, like like earbud look, uh, cord of sorts, and of course it goes and then it ends in a thirty three point five millimeter, uh, audio, jack at the end, and so it wasn't it, it was nothing impressive looking. It just looked like, uh, like oversized glorified, you know, <laughs> hearing aids of sorts. I guess is how you would put it. But um, but once I listened to sound samples with those microphones, uh, I was blown away by the sound quality, uh, because I always pursued to um uh, for my video making to have the highest quality audio possible, uh while while uh, also keeping a good um while also staying under budget. Because uh, if it's one thing that's um, I would stress to anybody who's listening that if you're going to start a podcast or if you're going to do field recording or record music, um, definitely don't be afraid to try to utilize the most out of the equipment that you currently use. Because uh, even if it's just your phone or if you just have a just have a karaoke microphone laying around or if you say perhaps go to a thrift store such as Goodwill and you so happen to find a microphone. Make, and if it works, make sure to buy it and just uh, using any, any audio equipment that, uh, that you already have to because I guarantee that sometimes in, in, in a number of cases that you will actually find that there are actually ways of making these cheap, uh, these cheap pieces of equipment actually do a very considerable job in, in recording audio. It's just a matter of uh, selecting the right settings and using the right techniques in order to make it work. And when you feel ready, and when you really need to upgrade your hardware, upgrade your your equipment in order to get better sound quality, or to um, just to upgrade your your gear, that it just I would strongly advise you to do it gradually. Because if there's one thing when it comes to the podcasting community, or when it comes to the re, uh, music recording or sound or field recording community, is that people Always want to buy the the most highest price, the high the highest value um, audio equipment, which can go upwards to, to over you know half a thousand dollars, like five hundred dollars and upwards into the thousands e- easily. And when it comes to XLR uh, microphones and just the uh, the cost of the equipment can exponentially increase because. Um, if say you if you buy two, if you say you really like the sound quality of this one microphone, but it's in but it's a mono microphone, and you want to get a stereo image, uh, one thing you have to do is that well you you buy another pair, like say the microphone hour is already five hundred dollars, and then you buy a second one so you have a stereo pair, and that's another five hundred dollars, and then you have to pay for a stand to keep the microphones attached. And you got to have a special stand so that because um, usually when it comes to two mono microphones and when you mic them to create a stereo image you have to put them in a certain angle you got to adjust them in a certain angle so it has a certain uh, amount of space to it so, so some people cross them and put them at a 90 degree angle or some people do it 180 and they put them uh, the microphones directly away from each other but still uh, next to each other. If I had a diagram of this it would make a lot more sense. But, and of course the stands, in order to do that, the, the, the stands specifically to uh, hold two, uh, two pairs of microphones like that, th- th- those can cost a lot too. And not only that, you got also got to keep in mind uh, uh, this, uh, the uh, sound recorder you want to use. And not too many uh, sound recorders, at least not too many ones that are cheap, come with two XLR inputs. And so, um, if you're if you're needing to buy a, a portable sound recorder, because you, you can't just bring an audio interface with you. Uh, audio interfaces are meant to stay at home and be used as uh, a desktop, used at your desktop or in a studio setting. But if you're out in the field and you're recording, you need to use something that's portable. And uh, I believe Tascam has one. I think Olympus has another. Uh, one that offers two XLR inputs and those can go for a lot of money and by that time you're probably spending over 1500 2000 maybe even 3000 or plus dollars just just for all that equipment and it can really add up and so that's why it comes to my original point that I stress that you should always always start with cheaper equipment first and don't worry about having to buy the best and most expensive equipment especially if you're really in a pinch and you really need to save money because I know not everybody needs that money and you know having these you know these desirable uh, high-quality audio equipment and despite how great it can sound um, sometimes you can buy things of comparable sound quality for less money and and that was the case for this microphone because this particular microphone the neat worker bee that I'm using right now for this podcast, um, the the whole set that came with it only costed eighty nine dollars, and it came with the microphone, it came with a, with a pop filter, it came with a with a shock mount. So whenever you tap on the desk or tap on the boom arm, it won't uh, the vibrations won't be as bad because it um, absorbs the shocks, and um and also uh, it came. I actually I, I let's see it also came with a few other uh, things but those three things right there the the pump filter and the the shock mount and um, oh actually no actually no i i think i said three things well so I, I meant to say two things uh, i did have to buy the xLR uh, cable for the microphone separately and i made sure to get the uh to get the um They get the Neat branded uh, XLR microphone. Uh, Not only so that it would match with the microphone, because the color of this microphone is the color of a bee, uh, hence the Neat King Bee name. Um, And it is uh, black and yellow and a little bit of uh, white here, but mostly black and yellow. (laughs) And uh, the cord is also black and yellow as well. Uh, And not only does it match with the microphone itself, but it's also nylon braided and it's a very sturdy, very um, has it's a very long cord. And so I can wrap this cord all like behind my desk so it isn't hanging out everywhere. And I don't have to worry about this cable shortening out or have to worry about uh, signals intruding into the XLR cable because if you have cheap um, if you have cheap cable for anything whether it be a headphone cable or an XLR cable or any or any audio cable at all um, if it's not shielded if there's not ample shielding to the um, to the audio cable you could have uh, interference you could have a buzzing noise you could hear uh, just white noise in the background and and sometimes it can get really distracting and really uh, mess with your audio signal. And you also got to make sure you don't have like other, um, other things around, such as uh, like phones around your audio cables. Because I did have my phone around. I'm, there might have been a little interference a little bit earlier in this, uh, in this podcast. But I, I made sure to get my phone out of the way as soon as I could because I needed to look at my phone in order to, um, in order to look at a few notes of mine. Um, but in that case, um, make sure you get good quality audio cable. That's for sure. To to avoid, um, to avoid having intrusive signals, uh, get into your, get into your recordings or get into, uh, your speakers as you're trying to listen to music. Uh, but also at the same time, don't buy the most premium cables because usually anything like something that costs like 10, $20, that's good enough, and it will do you just fine. So, don't, definitely don't overspend when it comes to cables. And I believe this XLR cable actually costed around, I think it was like 30 or $40. But that's only because it's so thick. It's so, it has, it's very well shielded. And it's nylon braided. So, it isn't going to uh, bust anytime soon. Uh, at least I hope so. <laughs> but in any case, uh, I guess the next topic I could go to is uh, just the topic of podcasts in general. And so, uh, believe it or not, uh, Sterling actually heard that I did podcasts in the past. And um, and and um, when I was something I learned while doing a podcast is that uh, there's so many different ways that you can uh, approach making a podcast, and it's not the same as it used to be back in the early days of the internet. Um, because I do believe there were a few podcasts uh, in the early 2000s, but the way they were distributed at the time is so much more different than it is now. Um, because uh, back in those days, uh, uh, people's bandwidth uh, wasn't uh, in internet speeds just weren't nearly as fast as they are now. For um, a lot of people back then, uh, a broadband, I believe, wasn't really uh, broadband internet wasn't really a thing at the time. And so, uh, to some, uh, uh, before broadband internet, a lot of people used uh, something called dial-up. And for the older listeners out there, you will remember what dial-up is. And for some of you, maybe you were a bit younger, maybe you know the dial-up sound for, for maybe some silly parody videos or something, or things of that sort. But dial-up, um, basically, you had to use the phone line in, in order to access the internet. So if somebody was on the phone, Ah, uh, you cannot access the internet because the signal would be used up by that, by that, by the landline. And so, uh, and of course, uh, dial-up internet, despite how slow it could be, uh, and in most cases it was quite slow. You had to pay a considerable amount of money in order to access the internet. And uh, back then, you had things like American Online. Uh, I believe there was uh, Netscape, and uh, there were a few other providers at the time and the cost to use the internet was exponentially high and if you thought it was high then uh, well you're paying premium excuse me premium price for internet at a a very slow speed but people still managed to make it work people started creating forums people started creating all sorts of different websites to host their host their interests some people even managed to do um, early live streams like they people I, I believe one of the earliest uh, examples of a live stream um, was actually I believe it was a university student that had an, a very early webcam and they pointed it at a at their aquarium. And I believe that was the longest running uh, the longest running live stream up until recently. I think I heard that they it got recently just dis, discontinued i think a few years ago and uh, i believe there actually still is one uh, where it's facing out a window that started in the 90s that i believe is still active um but don't take my word for it because sometimes uh, a lot of things just suddenly just you know sometimes when i go back and look for like world records when it comes to internet things uh sometimes when you go back it's just like oh wow it it they finally ended it like a year or two ago, and so um, definitely make sure to do your research before you, uh, before you, uh, <laughs> you, you know, before you go out to claim anything, especially when it comes to like world records and things of that sort. But to get back on my uh, on the topic, the internet was so much more different back in the early two thousands, and um, even though I was very young at the time, um, the internet. I just remember it was just a lot more basic, uh, the internet pages were, I remember it used to be a lot more customized because when it come to, came to personal websites, a lot of people liked to go crazy with, uh, with the text and the animations and sometimes they would play music and you, could, you, and you didn't know how to turn it off <laughs> and uh, it could be a little bit obnoxious because um, you just couldn't turn off the music. Uh, of course, Flash was still a thing, and that got recently discontinued. I believe uh, a year ago, after uh, over two decades of use, they finally discontinued Adobe Flash, which is very unfortunate. But um, but they did create a very massive. Uh, there was a very massive archive of Flash games that was created. I forgot. It, I forgot exactly what it was called, but I do know it's a massive, massive archive of almost every flash game that you can think of. And, uh, and, and of course you can still find browsers and you can find other ways of uh, downloading flash files and playing them uh, locally on your computer. But in any case, uh, the internet I just remember was so much different back then. And I remember the internet before like YouTube and Facebook was around and even though I was a little kid, I just remember going to random different websites and just seeing these colorful graphics and just seeing all these these quirky uh, designs that people made for their personal websites at the time. And it was just a, a very different place. And uh, one of the main things I actually did uh, on the Internet back then it was actually go to uh, find information on weather because uh, I am very much a weather nerd and I am actually going uh, to university to uh, study atmospheric sciences um, or um, more commonly known as meteorology. And uh, it is something I've been fascinated with ever since I was a kid. And it was one of the earliest things I went on the internet to go look for. Was to look at pictures of lightning, look for pictures of tornadoes and hurricanes and all sorts of different severe weather types. Um, And it just fascinated me that I could access all of these things at my fingertips. But at the same time, it still wasn't really all that impressive. Because it was a pain trying to watch some of these videos. Because... Uh, back then, you had to use things like uh, like Flash Player, you had to use QuickTime, you had to download, sometimes it would take forever to download just little small clips of, of video or audio. And uh, to get back to my point of podcasts, that's actually a similar way of how they used to be distributed. So, people would record a podcast, and then they would upload it to their website, um, and this was uh, before like iTunes or things like that and they would upload it as an mp3 or some other audio file at the time and then they would upload it uh to their website and you had to download it uh to your computer in order to listen to the podcast and for a lot of cases these podcasts um you actually had to pay money in order to buy these these audio files excuse me and um it was a whole different way of uh it was a whole different way of uh, distributing, um, streams at the time. And, uh, it's just, it couldn't be any more different back then. And, uh, and now in the age of broadband internet, where, uh, we have five gigahertz Wi-Fi, and we have, um uh, and we have super high speed internet using, uh, fiber optic cables and using all sorts of different new technologies in order to, you know, increase our internet speeds. It's just, the internet has never been faster and never been more available to more people than it is now. And uh, if, it, if, you're, if you're still distributing your podcast uh, on, on your own personal website uh, and you have to pay to download mp3 files in order to listen to it, I, <laughs> you are living in the past. And so I really hope nobody out there is still doing that unless the podcast is so good that you would actually be willing to spend money in order to listen to it. Uh, I don't know maybe a lot of people maybe people will be willing to you know pay money to listen to I don't know to Joe Rogan's podcast or something I I'm not sure but <laughs> something like that but and nowadays you can do a podcast in multiple different formats now uh, of course you can go to the, the traditional route and you can upload your podcast to iTunes even though iTunes is really iTunes has really uh, declined in popularity because you have to pay for most of the content I think if not all of the content on iTunes, on iTunes, excuse me. And uh, of course you can also distribute your your podcasts on SoundCloud or Bandcamp or anything like that. You can distribute your podcast on YouTube of course, which is probably one of the most popular uh, ways to do it. Uh, people do podcasts on Twitch now, which is another extremely popular website in order to do that. And and, and something that you couldn't do with podcasts uh, back in the day, back in the early 2000s and late, early and late 2000s, or even the early 20 te- teens, is that um, and there was no video aspect to any of these videos. And nowadays, you have podcasts, where you have people who actually, you know, who have face cams now, and people who, um, who actually, you know, record themselves talking, and they they have a uh, camera for the, the, the main speaker, and they have a camera for all the guests and other co- co-hosts. And things like that, some people uh, in the case of uh, Sterling, he uses a a, a lot of people uh, such as Sterling. They use uh, uh, still graphics in order to um, in order to uh, give a visualization to the podcast. And that's not something that was characteristic of podcasts because podcasts used to be strictly audio. And um, nowadays people uh, mix it up and uh, combine a video uh, with uh, the podcast. And so I guess it would be considered more of like a video podcast if you're uh, recording. uh, If you're uh, doing like live cams of yourself and your guests and things of that sort, which um, because like back in the day, you wouldn't you wouldn't have had the Internet speed or your computer might have not have been powerful enough to, uh, you know, have all of these things work in conjunction with each other. And so nowadays, uh, uh, with high-speed internet available to so many people now, and with people who are being able to access more higher, uh, higher, uh, m- more powerful computers, uh, you can do all sorts of stuff now. Like just with the with the software, I'm sure a lot of you know about it. Uh, uh, Obs Studio. You can do so many different things with that software, and it's and it's completely free and I believe it's open source and there's just so many different things that you can do with it and and you can just power it power it with just a simple laptop like I'm just using um I'm using a laptop from 2016 it's a, a Asus um, and it's not the most powerful machine in the world especially not anymore uh, because my computer's gonna be turning five years old uh, this year but. Um, it still allows me to do everything, just about almost everything I'd, I'd allow it. Uh, I throw at it. Uh, I can easily record on Audacity. I mean, that's. I mean, I think even computers up to like Windows XP can do that. But it can. I can use OBS, and I can use uh, virtual webcams, and I can input multiple different. Um, I can input multiple different uh, layers into OBS, and just streamline it. All into one location, and sorry for the bumping, uh, everybody. I kind of bumped my uh, XLR XLR cord a little bit, but um, you can you can do so many different things with just you know a semi you know, with a computer that isn't even that powerful in terms of you know modern technology, and I find that so fascinating, just how how much um, technology has evolved. And not even just the past five to ten even in the past five to ten years, it's still not the same as it was even back then. and just technology is just rapidly accelerating. And I believe it's just been accelerating ever since the 90s, I would say. Uh, I mean back in the 90s you started out with uh, with the uh, brick phones. I mean you started out with uh, Nokias and Motorolas and and nowadays, of course once well once you got to like the mid 20 uh, teens, you had the iPhone. You started getting the Samsung Galaxy. You started getting uh, LG. Started making phones, and you had HTC and all these different cell phone companies. And it, it, well, before that, you had the flip phone, of course, with like the Motorola Razr and things like that. And and then you ha- and then of course the iPhone comes uh, with their uh, touchscreen technology, and it just completely changes everything. And everybody jumps on um, on that technology, and things just. And then there's just a mad race to create a better and better phone to have basically a giant, basically to have a full functioning computer in your own hands. Like in this instance here, I have my LG V60, which I believe is one of the last phones from LG because LG actually ceased their mobile phone operations earlier this year, which I find to be extremely unfortunate. Because I used to be a very large, I used to be a very big supporter of uh, Galaxy phones. And I actually, my first phone was a Nexus S uh, 4G phone, which was uh, a phone made in collaboration with Google and Samsung. And ever since then, uh, up until this phone, I I used Samsung phones. And after that, I I used the Galaxy S3. And then I used the Galaxy s the Galaxy S6, and then I used the Galaxy S9 Plus. Um, but once Apple started that trend a few years ago, where they they got rid of the headphone jack, and they got rid of a few other features, but mainly the headphone jack. That really, that really bothered me. And then people in the in the um, and then Android companies started doing the same exact thing. And Samsung eventually got rid of the headphone jack. Um, and then. Uh, Things like the uh, I'm trying to think like the Google Pixel got rid of the headphone jack. HTC got rid of the headphone jack. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, other ones. Uh, the um, OnePlus they got rid of the headphone jack, and it was just such an unfortunate thing because the headphone jack, in my opinion, is such a valuable thing. And I know a lot of people um, nowadays use Bluetooth technology uh, so they can connect to their connect their earbuds and uh, their speakers wirelessly. But you are guaranteed, uh, most of the time, high quality audio if you used a wired connection. And you can't get fully lossless audio. If you're an audiophile, if you're very particular about your audio quality, you will want a headphone jack. And the and one thing that was special about Uh, lg's phones in particular is that with the lgv uh with the lgv line of phones which uh i'm i feel bad that i never considered getting an lg until they uh until i was uh until i was offered to upgrade earlier this year and i opted to get the lgv60 because i heard a lot of good things about it and i and i just wasn't satisfied with what um I wasn't satisfied with what um, Samsung was offering anymore. I finally opted in, and it's just unfortunate because um, there's just so many different disadvantages in not having a headphone jack. Because if you have, if you don't have one, you have to charge. You, if you if you if you're still using wired headphones or earbuds you can't use your headphones or earbuds at the same time that you're charging your phone unless you unless you get a dongle that allows you to separate the two and of course that costs money and with the dongle um you uh you're you're you have a very high chance of losing it and and with a headphone uh with a headphone dongle uh, it's such a weird word isn't it (laughs) dongle But in any case, it's just, you don't have optimal quality. You're losing a little bit of audio quality when you're doing that conversion. And there's just, it's just very annoying. And it, and, uh, y- you have less options and, and, and I was, and I was, as I was going to say for the LG phones, the V60 line of phones, their headphone jacks actually come with something that is called, a uh, a high, high, uh, Trying to think of the word. It, is, it, is, it has a high quality DAC, which is a digital audio uh, converter. And uh, the higher quality of the DAC, the higher quality the audio will be. And LG V60s phones, the LG uh, V uh, series of phones, are able to power uh, very high impedance uh, headphones, in which high impedance means uh, the headphones need a lot of uh, power in order to have a good. Uh, loud signal and if the impedance is I believe is if the impedance is high uh, that means that you'll need uh, I believe it it means you'll need less power but if it's low impedance that means you need higher power I I forgot it was either either or one of those but I just excuse oh I just bumped my phone into my (laughs) into my desk but in any case um uh for the um for uh the the LGV series of phones uh i don't i don't know uh, any other company that also provided i think no HTC used to provide um uh, high quality dacs into their phones so they could get hi-fi audio but in this in the case of those, those phones they were able to power very like studio quality headphones um and sometimes they can require a lot of power a lot of uh a good quality headphone jack in order to get the optimal sound quality, and and with these, uh, with the new dongles and with getting rid of the headphone jack, it's just such a detriment because if you're using studio headphones, you can't use them to their maximum potential anymore. And I, and I know that's a really niche thing, and only a certain amount of people will will actually care for that sort of thing. And you know the the high you know, high, hi-fi audio community, the audiophile community is very much a, a very small, uh, knit, a very small portion of the market. Um, I still find it unfortunate that there's becoming less and less options in the mobile phone world to have high quality audio. I mean, we're in the year 2021 and I would have expected that there would be a lot more options and a lot more uh just a lot more to choose from in order to get uh, maximum, you know, maximum value out of your, out of your smartphone. But it seems like they're just going, going in a backwards direction and just going with, you know, whatever, uh, whatever, like the, you know, most consumers want, which is understandable from a business point, obviously, because you want to get maximum profits. Um, but, but it's unfortunate because it just, it's just for people who are marginalized, like, like the people who are, who really enjoy hi-fi audio, uh, listening like I do. It's just, I think it's just a, it's just a setback, for, And I think, I just, I just think it's a step in the wrong direction. And hopefully, uh, there'll be more competition from companies in the future to give us more options. Uh, because I think the only like major, uh, the only major corporation I can think that's still offering a headphone jack, I believe, is Sony with their Xperia line. And I think if I ever do upgrade to a new phone, I'd like to try a, a Sony phone and see how they are. Because Sony puts a lot of great technology into this stuff. Unfortunately, a lot of their, their camcorders and their sound systems and their headphones and and whatever, I, th- I, I, I think Sony's products are a bit... Are quite a bit overpriced, honestly. Like they, they always jack up the prices on their products, which I find unfortunate. Because, uh, I mean, a lot of times their stuff is really good. Excuse me. And um, excuse me. Uh, sorry for that. And uh, it's just, you know, it's like one of the, but it's unfortunate because it's like in terms of smartphones, Xperia is like one of the, like the last um, smartphones, personally, that I would consider. Um, uh, using as long as they keep the headphone jack and, or possibly, uh, maybe I believe. Um, actually, I bring that. I take that back. Uh, recently, uh, I mean, I mentioned Nokia earlier. Uh, Nokia actually came back uh, a few years ago with new smartphones, and I, I they're not technically Nokia anymore. Uh, I believe it's like uh, uh, HMG or some other company from. I think it's from South Korea. Or some, something of that sort but they're using the Nokia brand and they're coming out with new Android smartphones and uh, and Nokia when it was still known as when it was actually still Nokia uh, they were producing uh, smartphones that had Windows operating system um, w- Windows uh, mobile operating systems and they were highly unpopular because people just did not like the interfaces and there wasn't a, and there was a lot of compatibility issues and and issues about updates and things of that sort, and and they just weren't popular. But uh, but Nokia came back a few years ago, like I said, with Android phones, and they've been doing really well overseas. And uh, you can get a few of the models here in the US. It's just that you have to pay a uh, full price for them, and like no like major carrier actually uh, offers uh, Nokia phones, which I find to be unfortunate. But um, you could... You can buy them uh, unlocked, which means you can use uh, different. Uh, which which unlocked means you can use multiple different uh, cell phone towers in order to get a signal from it. Because there there used to be a difference because there's GSM signals, so CDMA signals, uh, something of that sort, where it would be separated into different types of signals for the same thing, like 4G or 5G or 3G things like that, and. Um, it just it's, it's just unfortunate how in general there just seems to be just less variety when it comes to the products that you get uh, at least when it comes to electronics um, well at least when it comes to like smartphones and computers and stuff because, because laptops I remember uh, back in the day you could really really uh, customize laptops and laptops were filled to the brim with different connections and ports I mean uh, in fact my uh, mom uh, actually, has a business laptop that she got uh, back in uh, in the early 2010s, uh, and it comes with all sorts of different ports that you can't find. It has um, it has a switch on and off switch for the the Wi-Fi. As it still comes with the Ethernet, a lot of laptops still come with the Ethernet port, but it comes with a FireWire card. Um, it has a, a P, I, think, I believe it has a PCI. Uh, I think it has an expansion card slot on the side of it. Um, I think the one of the only thing it come and it still has a, a headphone and microphone port on it. And in a lot of cases of uh, uh, laptops nowadays, it only comes with one port, either for the microphone, or headphone. And I find that super unfortunate because people still 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 want to use wired mics and headphones. And and for a lot of these uh, laptops, you got to use either or and. I would, I think there's even laptops that, that don't even provide like a headphone jack or a microphone jack anymore. And, um, my laptop actually does have an optical drive. It has a CD DVD drive. And that's something not a lot of, uh, not a lot of laptops have anymore because, you know, I mean, CDs and general CDs and DVDs in general have, have declined rapidly because of the rise of streaming services and, um, uh, and online file sharing, of course. But, um, but still, I still find the CD, CD, and DVD drives to be very useful if you need to use, say, uh, a backup disk in order to restore your computer if it gets corrupted, or if you have old DVDs or CDs laying around, or if you need to burn any like data to a DVD or CD, and you don't have any, you don't have a flash drive, or you can't use, um, or if you can't use a, a you know, a file, uh. Uh, you know cloud storage, and uh, then, or if you want to play like old CD-ROM games, like I have a few uh, games from my childhood um, that are on CD-ROM, uh, such as uh, the first two Battlefront games from the early two thousands. Uh, I have a lot of Star Wars games. <laughs> I have the Empire at War, Lego Star Wars, and stuff like that. And so, uh, you can like for some of those games, you can get them on Steam and such, but, um. If I didn't have a CD-ROM drive, I had I'd have no way of playing them. And if you still want to play retro games, I would definitely still uh, try to find a laptop that still has an optical drive. And but but I think nowadays, just the demand for it, it's just there's like a lot of people see no reason to use it because it's just outdated technology. And uh, and plus two, it's moving parts, and you want less moving parts within your electronics. Because say if you drop it or if you you know you know just Set it down in a wrong way. It could something could internally could break inside the computer, and that's another reason why uh, uh, hard disk drives or HDD drives have become highly unpopular. Uh, not um, because uh, one of the things about uh, hard disk drives is that it, it uses a physical uh, magnetic disk in order to scan all of the uh, files and all of the everything on your computer. And if you, uh, if you drop your computer, if you s- sit it on the ground, you could smash the disc and you would lose all your data. And it'd be extremely hard in order to recover anything that was on that disc. And I would know so because I had an external hard drive that was an HDD drive. And I dropped it on the floor and I've sent it to a repair place. And I said they'd ha- I'd have to send it to a very um, intensive <laughs> repair uh, place in order to uh, retrieve all my data just because I dropped it so hard and it's so unfortunate because I have so many uh, family photos and videos and stuff I've archived from the internet music all sor- all sorts of different things from from the from my childhood up until like the the mid-20 teens that are just lost now just because I dropped it on the floor one day because I was using it downstairs uh, with my laptop and I, I got up and I forgot it was still plugged in and it fell out of the port and it just dropped right on the hard tile floor. Uh, so hopefully I'll be able to get that those files recovered at some point in the future. But in any case, um, as I was saying, hard disk drives are unpopular not only because they can be easily broken, but also because hard disk drives are also quite a lot slower to uh, load uh, content, um, uh, because you have to read, like I said, the physical uh, magnetic disk in order to uh, read all the files on your on your uh, computer. But now with uh, solid state drives, also known as SSDs, uh, it uses flash memory, so it's basically like a large uh, like a large flash drive. For instance, and it just reads it like so much faster because you're not using physical, you're not using a physical disk in order to read it. It just reads it off of flash memory, and it's a million times quicker. And I actually had that issue with my uh, laptop that I'm currently using right now, in which uh, I noticed that my computer was slowing up, like exponentially so, and it just kept slowing up more and more, and um, and then at one point. Uh, it just, my computer just decided not to work anymore and it would just be stuck in a boot loop. And it was so distressing because I really needed to use my computer for, uh, for school and for uh, making, uh, video projects and things of that sort. And so I was so distraught. So I made sure to, uh, I believe it actually happened. Thankfully. I, okay. Thankfully it, I, I remember now it, it it did happen before I had to go back to college uh, earlier in the year. It happened still when I was still on winter break, and honestly, um, if it happened at any other time, I would have been v- uh, very very short of luck. <laughs> I'll just I'll just uh, I'll just put it there. I'll just put it that way. But I sent it into a local repair place, and he uh, replaced it with uh, a solid state drive. And uh, he said, like, I was a little bit skeptical at first because uh, you, you always got to be a little bit skeptical when it comes to repair places. So don't always don't just send your your electronics to the, like the cheapest, nearest repair place. You got to I always stress to people that when it comes to anything, any service that you're that you're looking for, whether it be food, whether it be uh, repair for electronics or going to a repair shop for your car, make sure you look at the reviews and look at what people say about that business before you go and get and try to get your stuff fixed. Because the last thing you want to do is be ripped off and be, and have this unknown fee attached that you had no idea that you had the that you had to pay for. Because sometimes these people just, they just add on fees to, to the services that you want and without knowing and something that originally costed say $50 and now costs like $125 and that's something you do not want and you, you you need to make sure that you you're getting your money's worth and that you're not dealing with people who are going to add these these fees without being transparent with you and make sure that they actually do a, a good job at what they do that if they do a good repair or if they make actual, you know, if they make good food and they serve you well and they just provide good service in general. So just always make sure to look at reviews and just make sure you do so you do your research before you do just about anything when it comes to services. And um and that can apply to multiple different things as well. Look at what other people say and and then go for it. Um but the only thing I wouldn't say to go for that for would be movies um, because uh, movie reviews are very um, are very subjective and I don't think in my opinion I don't think you should let other people's thoughts on a movie impair you from going to go watch a film um, so I mean if you enjoy the film then you enjoy it you don't have to have anybody else uh, say that say you don't have you shouldn't let anybody else say you shouldn't watch this film unless it's legitimately bad for your health or something like that but anyway um, back to my computer repair story so the repairman actually said that my computer would, would boot up like, uh, like uh, would boot up like exponentially faster. And um, I remember my uh, PC my, or, or my laptop rather. Um, it would take I don't know maybe almost like three to four minutes just to boot up into the computer and then once I finally logged in, I would put in my information and it would take like another like minute or two just to load everything on my desktop. But now with a solid state drive with the SSD, it loads up so much faster. Like it just blew my mind how much faster it actually was Uh, like in order to boot up my computer to restart it. It only takes not even um, I would say uh, booting up from from the computer when it's off up to the login screen. It only takes uh, say maybe 20 to 30 seconds, which is Which is I find it to be extremely impressive and then after you log in it takes another maybe 30 to 40 seconds to load everything on my desktop, which is exponentially faster than what my uh, original hard drive did and so um, But believe it or not though there are still alternatives. There are still uh, I should say benefits to using hard disk drives so even though the chance of a solid state drive of going bad is lower, uh, I believe, than uh, hard disk drives. Uh, If something does go wrong with your solid state drive, though, it is a lot more difficult to recover your data from a solid state drive because since it's flash memory and it's not physical, uh, since it's not a physical disk, um, it's it's stored in a different way, which is, and it makes it, a lot more challenging for technicians to uh, get that data off and, uh, and, and uh, restore it and uh, retrieve it. Uh, and uh, it, can be, it can be nearly almost impossible in order to recover that data. Uh, but for a hard disk drive on the other hand, because it's a physical piece of media, uh, you could still technically uh, safe if the disk is shattered. You could still put it together and you can scan it and still recover data that way. And, um, and I believe that's why a lot of external hard drives actually are hard disk drives, because um, in most of the cases, as long as you don't drop it, um, you should be able to uh, go to a data repair place and they should be able to um, get a majority of the files off of that, off of that uh, hard drive. And uh, in my case, um, my hard drive within my computer, because uh, there was nothing else wrong with it. Uh, uh, besides, uh, since the disk, of course, was still intact with my hard disk drive in my laptop, uh, he was able to scan all of my files and all of my system settings and transfer it to a SD to a SSD drive uh, without really any hitches at all. And I was just so amazed that he could copy it, all of it like that when my hard disk basically went bad. I found that pretty amazing that he was able to do that. And. Uh, I would definitely, when it comes to uh, when it comes to an internal hard drive for your PC or your laptop, I'd, I would definitely make sure you spend a little bit extra money uh, if you can, if you can afford it. Definitely, if you can afford it, definitely get a laptop or a PC that has an SSD drive. And uh, I know that uh, computers that have uh, uh, hard disk drives are cheaper, but they are exponentially slower when it comes to even just doing basic tasks like opening the internet or using your video editor or uh, playing uh, games on your PC, on your laptop. It's just so much slower loading all of your data on your laptop. But if you have a solid state drive, it will be exponentially faster. And But at the same time, if you want to back up your data though, definitely go with uh, external hard drives that are HDD. Because a lot of times with uh, um, hard disk drives, the external ones. You can get them for pretty cheap nowadays. I like I believe a 2 terabyte uh, external hard drive only goes for like maybe like 125, maybe 150. dollars. in which like back in the day in order to get a terabyte of uh in order to get a terabyte hard drive, those things used to cost like 500, 600 like $800. And the prices have just exponentially just decreased over time. And so, I definitely say, um, if you're concerned about your computer going bad at at, at any time, uh, uh, please uh, look into getting external hard drives. Making sure to transfer all of your data to um, to an external hard drive, or if you can afford it, maybe use cloud storages too. Uh, cloud storage too, because I would say cloud storage. Uh, even uh, though uh, I I would say there would be a lot of benefits to it. Uh, A lot of the times it's a paid service and you got to pay to have a pay considerable amount of money uh, each month or yearly in order to afford all of that storage. And I and being a a broke college student. I can't afford to to pay twenty nine dollars a month or or, or just pay, you know, like two hundred dollars a year to have two terabytes of storage to store all of my stuff. Uh, It's just not a viable option. (laughs) So even though cloud storage is usually very reliable and has a very low chance of uh, going wrong, unless say there's like a data breach or something like that, um, I still wouldn't go for cloud storage unless it was like extremely like dirt cheap, affordable. And so, in plus two, I would say if you just wanted to be even more secure with your data, just have it right there with you and be able to access it with you at all times. Definitely get an external hard drive, uh, preferably one that's a hard disk drive, because if something does happen to it, even if it does go bad, there's still a very high chance that you would be able to recover that data since it is a physical disk that they can scan and then transfer to uh, a new medium so you can access all of your uh, files again. And so just um, the chance and and that's another thing, another topic that I'd like to get into uh, that um, because of uh, uh, because of hard drive failures, uh, sometimes you may have like videos of your own or other people's videos that you've archived over the years and then the hard drive fails and then you're and then uh, you go on the Internet to find that video and you can't find it anywhere. And that's one of the ways how you can um, how lost media can become a reality for on in in an online circles. Uh, there's all sorts of lost online media over the years that either uh, hard drives have failed and the original files are gone, or somebody uh, like deleted all instances of the video and you can't find it anywhere. There's all sorts of different things on the internet that I cannot find anymore. Uh, videos that have been privated or unlisted or un- or deleted on YouTube, um, websites that have gone under uh, over the years and just non existent anymore. Um, so many different things I've encountered over the years that are just gone and there's just no traces of them left. And it makes me so sad. And it, it makes me, you know, it's an important. I, in my opinion, it's very important that there's people out there that actually actively go out of their way to try and archive digital media because believe it or not, despite how fast things can spread on the internet, uh, there's still a chance that all, that all those things, especially the older the content on the internet, the more likely it is to be you know erased completely. And I do find it extremely admirable. That, um, that that people are actively uh, archiving different websites and, and archiving music and uh, video and audio, uh, even, you know, podcasts, anything at all. And uh, one of the biggest websites for that actually is archive.org, which I personally use. And they archive millions upon, m- hundreds of millions of different websites each and every single day. There's all sorts of documents and audio and music and videos being uploaded to there every day. And it's just a magical thing, uh, you know, coming across something that, you know, you thought might have been lost forever. And then you uh, just one day you see it pop up on YouTube or you see it popped up on archive.org. And you're just like, wow, I thought this was lost forever. And, you know, I just I'm just so grateful for people who are conscious of the archival of digital media. And uh, I, I just think it's just an extremely important thing to do. I think it's very imperative that we archive our internet history. And, and I believe it's also very important that we archive our physical history too. Like, uh, like say like your old uh, childhood videos. If you, were, if you grew up in the late 90s or, or, or even the early 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, your, your parents or one of your relatives might have recorded you on uh, a camera. And that camera most likely used uh, videotape. Uh, in order to uh, uh, capture um, your memories, and in a lot of these cases, um, they recorded onto, uh, say, like eight millimeter. Uh, usually, it would be eight millimeter tape or mini DV tape or or VHS tape. And over time, those tapes, if they're not properly taken care of, they can easily degrade, and they, um, and then once you and and VCRs uh, sometimes can get unreliable, and it can eat up that tape. And it can damage that tape to a state where it's not playable anymore. And then you lose those memories. And so it's, I think it's more imperative than ever, especially nowadays, because a lot of these tapes are reaching like 10, 15, 20, 25 plus years of age. And a lot in some of these cases, like some of these people did not store their tapes very well. And so, um, it's important that all these memories, um, are preserved and people either do the transferring themselves, go out of the way to um, to get a camcorder that can play these tapes back, and and, and they can uh, plug them into their computer or plug into a different uh, a different uh, a different di- digital video capture device and uh, record it to SD card or to DVD discs or to like I said or go to a professional to get it transferred. And, um, or just, just anything at all. And, and that's something I still need to personally do because I still have a lot of, um, childhood, uh, videotapes that I still need to transfer. And some of the earliest ones are actually from like the, the, from around like 1999 and, and, uh, and my parents still have their wedding video from 1997 on VHS that needs to be transferred and all sorts of other things that, you know, if they're not transferred you know, in the next few couple of years, I mean, they might, just start degrading to a point where you can't even be able to watch them anymore. And I think it's so important that we preserve our memories uh, from the past, whether it be physical media on our, uh, whether it be childhood videos on, on, on videotape, or if it be, or if it's some old video that you remember uh, watching, uh, just make sure to archive the things that you hold dear to yourself, because you never know when they might just suddenly disappear one day off of the internet. You just never know. And so, um, with that said, um, I hope uh, all of you who have uh, tuned into this podcast have been enjoying themselves. Um, I hope I did a good job as a host. Um, I'm the. I, I don't I wouldn't really know if I would say that I'm as good of a podcaster as uh, a sterling <laughs> because I mean he's been doing this for a little bit while now let's see I believe he actually started the podcast back in, I think a year ago yeah yeah a year ago so he's already got a good deal of uh, experience under its belt but I hope I've been a good uh a good stand-in for the time and I hope he uh, appreciates um uh, me standing in for him because I really wanted to do this podcast and uh, be able to help him out and I hope he um, didn't mind any of the topics that I covered and uh, and I'd like to apologize if I have a different bit of a way of speaking than he does because I, I do know that Sterling um, likes to speak in a more uh, relaxed tone. Uh, sometimes I can get a bit overexcited and I can my voice can really amplify whenever I'm really passionate about a topic and and uh, if if it's a, if it was a little bit of a um, if it feels a little bit much to get used to. I, I sincerely apologize for that. And uh, but uh, hopefully uh, Sterling will be back to uh, do his podcast soon. But I was very glad to fill in for him. I definitely wanted to help help a friend out and uh, help him, uh, you know, continue the series while he's on while he's away. Uh, I believe, like I said, on vacation uh, with his family. And, um, I'm, I'm always more than happy and willing to do voiceovers and do, uh, do fill-ins for podcasts for anybody who might uh, need a stand in. As long as it's not a podcast that, you know, I'm, <laughs> i would going to find objected, uh, uh, you know, objectable, something that's like offensive or, and, or, you know, like, like intentionally provocative and controversial, then yeah, I'll, I'll definitely gl- stand in for somebody's podcast if they need a host. Um. And I was more than happy to do it for Sterling because he, he, as far as I know, he's a, he's a wonderful person. Uh, he's very down to earth, very relaxed, very mild mannered, and, um, and it's always lovely to see that that those kinds of personalities from people because I because for me personally, I would say the that would be the personality type I get along with more introverted, more uh, laid back and calm personalities. That's that's I would say that without any reasonable doubt in my mind. Um, and with, uh, my LG phone yet again, dropping on my desk, I hope each and every single one of you had a wonderful time listening into the radio 1471. This has been your host, A.G. Yin. Um, and I, I don't know how um Sterling would feel about doing a little bit of uh self prom- self promotion because it is his podcast of course um but if if uh, Sterling has any social media links of his uh, definitely check it out definitely check out his Radio fourteen uh, uh seventy one uh, Twitter account um and make sure to tune in for the other separate podcast and uh and if you guys want to check me out and check uh more f- um uh, check uh. Any of my social media out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as A G Yen, A A G Y E E N, and um and if you ever want to, uh, if you're, and if you're a furry and you're looking for any uh if, if you're looking for community to uh to uh, if you're if you're looking for a nice inclusive uh community with a bunch of people who are willing to be your friend and listen now and and you know. And care for you, and you know, treat you as like a like an online family member. I do also host a Discord server known as AG's Family of Floof. and uh, Sterling actually is a member of that uh, a member of that server. And uh, I hope I hope he I hope he enjoys that. I hope I hope he's been enjoying the place. And I think that's kind of a silly thing to kind of question because I, I think he I think he has. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but I you know I never want to make. I never want to be too sure about things, you know, <laughs> it's just the kind of person I am. But in any case, if you'd like to try that out, if you would like to, if you'd like to, if you're looking for a nice inclusive community where people are actively looking to be your friend and you're looking for people to talk to who are in the furry community, if you're looking for uh, someplace that's not filled with, uh, you know, that's not filled with you know, toxicity or drama and things like that sort, uh, definitely feel free to check my place out if you'd like. I uh, definitely don't want to force you to, you know, to do anything you don't want, obviously. But um, if you'd like to check it out, uh, definitely feel free um, because I'm always looking for, we're always looking for new online family members to add to our server. That uh, That is definitely for certain. But in any case, um, I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Um, I'm sorry if it was a little bit, uh, different than the usual topics that Sterling usually covers. And I hope, uh, this, um, this iteration of the podcast, uh, will be enjoy, will be just as enjoyable. And so, uh, I wish you all a wonderful morning, a wonderful afternoon, a wonderful evening, wonderful night, wherever you are. Um, uh, just Godspeed and um, peace to all of you. I, help- I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. And uh yes, thank you so much for listening in, and make sure to tune in for next episode. Thank you.
0: And that concludes AG's segment of the podcast. Or just AG's guest episode. Guest hosted episode. Guest episode, I'm not sure we'll get that in the future. I'm not too too sure. Maybe, hopefully. Still some questions I'd like to ask him. Um, I'm starting forget all the questions that i did want to ask him a long time ago though so i'm not sure i could really say a whole lot but that's besides the point the real reason i'm doing this bonus content is because y'all deserve it y'all deserve it bonus content for the audio only listeners that is right it's back it is back Now, you might have heard me mention at the intro of the podcast that uh, I got a computer coming in the mail. And yes, 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 yes. For all those curious, it is a HP Pavilion desktop gaming computer. I know, I know. Most people are probably like, you got a pre-built? Ew, that's disgusting. Never buy pre-builts. Well, it is 2021 and graphics cards and CPUs and a lot of the computer components are actually really hard to find and are really expensive at the moment. So... Yeah, it's somewhat the pre-built market at the moment. So, yeah. (sighs) Hmm. Yep, I've been trying to get a computer for a long time now. Years, years and years and years. I'm still using my, what was it called? Uh, I'm still using a Dell desktop workstation. I don't remember the exact model number, but the graphics card that I have is a Radeon HD 3450. it's not very great not very great but i mean i'm lucky to have a computer in the first place that's not that's not the reason i brought that up the reason i brought up the computer thing was because i kinda after i get the computer want to attempt streaming maybe yeah so that that's gonna be interesting i'm planning on streaming risk rain 2 destiny 2 and that's pretty much all i can think about at the moment because that's pretty much all i play kind of i just got risk of rain 2 so i can't really say that but destiny 2 for sure i'm a destiny 2 player destiny player in general so yeah risk of rain 2 is actually really fun um once again Thank you, AG. Thank you, AG, for hosting this episode. He helped me in a time of need when I needed a guest host the most, the best. I was trying to make that rhyme, but I couldn't think of anything on the spot. Once again, AG the Yin, or known on Twitter as at AG Yeen. Go follow him, go click his link to his Discord, if you want to, of course. Um uh, what else did I have to say about that I know my voice might not relay that I am happy about AG hosting this episode I am I really am I I can't really do too much of a happy <laughs> voice I don't know <laughs> <sighs> i was about to do a happy quotation mark quotation mark voice but i i just can't do it i don't know i think ag actually has a really nice voice i like ag's voice um speaking of voices i like rain down rain he was the host of the fuzznet podcast for two to three episodes i actually don't remember how many episodes they had that's where i found rain um. Yeah, he has a good voice. He's actually streaming right now, as of me recording this. Go check out his Twitch. I think his Twitch is just called Rain Down, underscore maybe. I know that's his Twitter handle at Rain Down, underscore. Go check him out. He has a very nice voice as well. Um, any other people with nice voices that I can think about? hacksource hacksource 553 i mean okay i'll be honest i like his voice but i think a lot of other people might not like his voice he's also a streamer another member of the furtastic furtastic is that what they're called yeah the furtastic esports team esports team i'm just gonna say furtastic team he is a member of that um i guess since i'm since i'm mentioning a bunch of streamers swift scouty we stand swift we also stand hack but we mostly stand swift scouty he is also a member of the furtastic team who else is a member of furtastic that i've been watching recently oh blake prod go check him out echo fade what's echo been doing I think he moved recently, and I think he also became a baker. Yeah. I think? Yeah, I think so. So, go him. We stand people who bake, I guess. (laughs) Um, hmm. Could have sworn there was something. Oh, yes. Last episode, I mentioned taller werewolf or is it tall yeah that's what i wanted to mention last episode i kept on saying taller werewolf when his name is actually just tall werewolf i believe so my bad i kept on saying taller werewolf and it bugged me because i noticed that right after i posted it and i was like oh man i can't believe i i messed it up the entire time um hmm, hmm yeah just tall werewolf just had to check real quick something else I wanted to mention as well was that last episode I believe I said let live and let ghosts came after everything under the sun that's not true everything under the sun came after let live and let ghosts yeah so that was interesting I think that's what I said right I believe so Yes, because Let Live and Let Ghosts was released in 2008. Everything Under the Sun was released in 2010. So there's that. Just wanted to make sure that was corrected. Um, other, th- other than that, I think that's all I really have to say at the moment. Once again, thank you, AG. I know I keep on saying that, but thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'll see the rest of y'all later. Goodbye. Stay tuned.